Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of Coffee and Cocktails. I'm your host, Dr. Ann Wand. As many of you may have guessed, we are going through a pandemic at the moment. And with that goes our access to the studio. So I apologize in advance for the recording quality as we are making the most of our good friend, Mr. Zoom. This is the main reason why we are calling the next four episodes our COVID series, the first of which we'll be focusing on educating the Roma with our special guest today, Dr. Julia Bolton Holloway, independent scholar, professor emerita of medieval studies from the University of Colorado at Boulder, and custodian of the English Cemetery, a UNESCO heritage site in Florence, Italy. My goodness, thank you for joining us. Thank you, and uh, I'm really happy to have this opportunity to talk about the Roma, who normally get a very negative press. Well, I am looking forward to talking to you about it. As per usual, we'll start off by having you tell us what drink you are having for the show, followed by a little bit about yourself. Julia, would you like to start? I'm actually not drinking anything because I would be rather nervous about spilling it on the computer. I want <laughs> That's fine. a whole cup of coffee on my laptop. In, in oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you are not alone. I think everyone can relate to having that one spill. In fact, I can remember when I was a master's student, I had a phone in my dorm that didn't work. Or I thought it didn't work until it rang. And I was finishing up an essay that was due very shortly. And I was so shocked the phone rang. I went for it and my whole mug of tea went on my computer and I lost my paper (laughs) instantly. And it was hand over heart, the most terrifying week of my life. (laughs) Needless to say, my my supervisors were not very sympathetic. But but if I could, could we start off? Because um, one of the things that I think would be good for the listeners to know is that we're not only going to talk about your work, which is amazing, but we're also going to have um, some special guests on the show. Uh, could you tell us who will be coming in in a few minutes' time? Right. Um, it's a young couple whose four children were taken from them violently by the police uh, as a result of a letter which was completely false. And they've not been allowed to visually see their children in seven years, except for once. And we've now won a Supreme Court case in Rome, and it's being sent back to the tribunal in Florence. And hopefully we would love for them to have their children back. Uh, certainly they, from this, they will be allowed to visit and in these seven years, we have worked on, uh, they were in extreme poverty and illiterate uh, and so forth and angry with the world. And they have turned into the most wonderful married couple uh, who have, I've given them both work contracts and they work in the cemetery. And they have a house in Costanza on the Black Sea. And they are really gung-ho about uh, reading the Bible. They ask not to be going on reading children's books, but the Bible in Romanian. And since I don't know Romanian, it's a lovely teaching situation where we're all equally learning. Mm, And from the centuries of slavery that the Roma have experienced, this becomes a kind of education that works. 
it's an education of freedom. It's not an education of dominance. And um, I've been learning, you know, along the way how to go about it to do it in circles around a table, not in rows in a classroom and so forth, and all generations at once. Well, before we dive into that, because I think I really want to get into this, the work that you're doing, but I I think we need to step back a few minutes because people need to know who you are. Firstly, I mean, you're the fantastic (laughs) Julia, but how did you end up in Florence? What's your story? How did you get to where you are? Well, I think there's a very long story. And um, one of the problems we women have in academia is jealousy. Ah, yes. So <laughs> I went through, yes. So, And I think it's because we internalise our own, the, the sense of infer- inferiority that men have of us. We internalise it ourselves and then we attack each other and destroy each other. And I went through a very difficult episode at my university where I was, uh, I had to fight for tenure. I won the battle, but it wasn't worth winning. So I, I left and I was at that point researching Julian of Norwich and traveling from convent to convent. And I ended up in my own convent school and found my nuns who had been my teachers um, sort of at the, the end of the rope. And I thought I could join them and all would be well, and it wasn't. And after four years, I fled to Florence penniless. I had fantasies of being a shopping bag lady with Aristotle and Plato and the Bible in the original languages in my shopping bag. And um, I ended up here. I managed to save my library. Wherever I went, I paid for the shipping of my books with the last of the funds I had. And I ended up looking after the English cemetery. And in the contract, it's written that I had the right to have the library here. Mm. And uh, then the Roma showed up asking if they could garden. And we found that this was the perfect symbiosis where uh, they are in an environment of books. Um, They are winning respect because their work is so excellent. And uh, I insist that if they work for me, they also must be in alphabet school. Okay. Uh, So can you tell us um, a couple of things before we get into the alphabet school? Firstly, how did you get involved with the Roma community? Which, for those listeners who aren't familiar, the Roma community has a very rich and vast history Could you explain a little bit about the history and understanding of the Roma before you explain how you got involved with the community? Right. Um, The Roma came from India a thousand years ago through uh, Persia, Turkey. Uh, Their language is based on Sanskrit with Turkish and Persian additions. And they came to Europe in the Middle Ages and were immediately in Romania enslaved. So the enslavement went on until Uncle Tom's Cabin got translated into Romanian the year after it was published in America in English, and that freed them. But they never got civil rights, and the treatment of them is is 
awful. I yeah. mean, it's, um, yeah. and so there are strong parallels. Uh, this cemetery is filled with people who worked for the abolition of slavery. Frederick Douglass visited here, and my Roma restorer actually incised the plaque with the date mm. of his visit, which we have hanging up on the wall. Mm. And um, so I've made a point of doing the research on the anti-slavery aspects of this cemetery. Okay. And it's, it's, it's um, a wonderful, happy coincidence at the same time that we are working together as Roma and myself restoring the cemetery mm. because it is the ongoing history of it from the 19th century to the 21st. And now we have this terrible problem in America, the police violence, which goes right back. In fact, Frances Trollope is buried here. And okay. she, is, she wrote the first anti-slavery novel, Jonathan Jefferson. Which Jonathan was, Jefferson, okay. I've just published with um, the Trollope Society. Okay. And she's... America before Queen Victoria's on the throne and writing against the injustices of um, lynching and so forth yeah. and she's buried here also the Romanian nobles who enslaved the Roma slaves they're buried here so it's, it's a very rich history yeah. and the Roma themselves came asking if they could study what had happened to them in the Porajmos, the um, Holocaust. Okay. And so we found out through a research that they had been transported uh, with false promises of farms, uh, their whole families to Transnistria in the Ukraine, where they were left to die in the fields. And so my Roma families have the history of the tremendous starvation and even driven to eating the babies. Right. And finally, the little girls walking home to Romania. So we did the ceremony with the Romanian Orthodox priest for the burial of the dead because this is what they had. Their anguish was of not having buried those who died. Right, properly. right, right. And so we did the banquet, we did the ceremony with the bread and the wine and the candle, and then the blessing of the Romanian tombs um, wow. who had had them as slaves. And after that, the, um, I really felt that they had managed to get some of this weight off their shoulders because we recited every name that we knew, which they knew, although illiterate, they have splendid memories. And mm. what I find, too, is I record the stories they tell, which are full of detail, um, straight mm. out of Shakespeare and so right. forth. Uh, so they're not uh, uncultured, mm. uh, but it's the culture we don't... Uh, validate. So if I may, just to kind of, because this is, I think this is one of those topics that you could spend a lifetime on. And, yes. you know, a podcast can barely do it justice. And my understanding of the Roma, having lived in Florence for a while, yes. uh, in fact, mm -hmm. um, I used to live not too far from the English cemetery. 
and we just have a couple okay. guests that are that are showing up um, <laughs> is that the the Roma community not only have a stigma attached to them, but negatively within yeah. politics as well. Please, by all means, take a seat. Se puoi trovare un po' di spazio, ovviamente posso parlare con lei, non ti preoccupare. I'm just saying, if you, you know, if he has any space, he's welcome to, to come by. Hello. 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 And he's the young father of Bianca Prinsu. Mm and uh, Luigi and German, and uh, he is now, uh, we've been reading together from the Bible this afternoon, and he is... Uh, uh, again, for the listeners, there'll be a little bit of Italian and English going back and forth, just so people can understand. But before we speak uh, with the gentleman that's just shown up, again, could you give me your name? This is Yonel Danila. Yonel Danila. And before he, and he's from Costanza on the Black Sea. Okay, so to give the listeners a bit of understanding, um, the Roma community, as we were mentioning, has had a stigma that's existed for quite uh, a while. And um, I know politically the, the Lega Nord in particular has been quite um, challenging in terms of trying to understand them as a minority group. Would you say that that's correct, Julia? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it's it's very difficult for the Italians to to come to tolerate the Roma because they see them begging in the streets. And um, what I found was extremely important was to show Roma in different contexts, uh, in a library, uh, burying the dead of the Florentine. But I think in this context that we have created, we have beautiful photographs of Roma families in the camps that were done by a friend of mine in the library. And when the Florentines see the Roma babies in cradles and so forth, um, it changes their, their attitudes. Uh, they begin to see them as fellow human beings. And um, the, the Roma here work very well, better than the Italians, and with great courtesy. And this has won over the, uh, many of the, the, for instance, the Florentine nobles and so on. Um, it's been, an, a, I think, a, a splendid experiment in how to undo prejudices. Okay. Where I think it's been extremely important is to equalize everyone. Could you uh, explain the school system that you've created, this alphabet school for ah, the Roma right. community? Um, well, that again sort of grows out of being here in Italy. Uh, the Swiss, as you know, were very poor until they emphasized education and uh, Pestalozzi, Rousseau, and so forth. And they were e emphasizing education for the poor. And one of the people who sh is buried here is Schneider, uh, Edward Schneider, who was friends with Pestalozzi, worked with him, but also with the Ab Abate Lambruschini here in Florence, who was working with the Contadini in Tuscany. Okay. So we've used their ideas and also um, Dottoressa Montessori, Maria Montessori, uh, 
this is what I tend to do. The first, this they have to fill out every Sunday. It's okay. The alphabet, uh, and the Lord's Prayer, in they, it can be in Romanian, it can be in Romani, or it can be in sure. Italian, because they're wonderfully polyglot. Okay. And uh, the consonants in blue and the vowels in red. And this is Montessori's uh, system. And um, then we go on to, I give them books like Dante, like uh, books on comparative religion where they see orthodox, uh, Catholic, Protestant. Um, my couple here are Pentecostal and uh, they have a wonderful Pentecostal pastore. And uh, we also have uh, the other Roma who came here initially were from Yugoslavia and they are okay. Muslim. And I'm friends also with their imam who is Sufi and so forth. So there's a kind of wonderful cultural richness here, uh, which I think we have come mutually to appreciate instead of to denigrate. Sure, um, sure. I'm just sì, explaining sì. that I'm also American and British, so there's no confusion. No, mi fa un po' così, mi sento un po' vergognato di essere davanti a una telecamera, c'è già parlare con una persona, c'è. Non sono tanto uh, abituato, diciamo, a parlare con delle persone così sulla camera, eccetera, eccetera. Forse sei tu vai a Diamante anche, perché penso che... <laughs> Lei parla a telefono. <laughs> sì, ho già parlato sì. di Diamante. Sorry, we're just doing a bit of rearranging. Diamante. Mm -hmm. and, and Diamante is very traditional. Um, the social assistant said that she, to have her children, she had to wear black trousers, which absolutely refuses to. She okay. mustn't have her hair long or, or a head veil. And um, Diamante only feels happy if she's got her Roma skirts, her gypsy skirts and her head veil and so on and so forth. And okay. I've, I've been rather remiss in encouraging her to be herself. Because I can see when she tries to be Gaje, she hates herself. She and Gaje is, is non-Roma, is that correct? Yonel and, and Diamante are both Roma. No, but to be Gaje, that means that you're not oh, part Gage, of the Roma community. See, 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 that means it's like being Gentile to a Jew and so forth. Okay. Um, and they see us as a depraved, criminal, <laughs> cruel. Uh, our families are no good. They don't, we divorce too much. Okay. And uh, we uh, don't treat our children well. We let them cry. A Roma mother will hold her baby, sing to it, rock it in a rocking cradle, do everything so it doesn't cry, so its brain is not damaged. Sure. And I think that it's from that that they've been able to survive in terrible conditions. So, and I think I can hear Diamante coming down the stairs. Okay. Diamante, yeah. piacere. Uh, sono, yeah. sono Anne. No, piacere. Sto facendo, <laughs> piacere. Uh, sto facendo questo podcast um, 
per persone che parlano inglese, quindi mi dispiace se questo è abbastanza difficile capire perché uh, dobbiamo parlare in inglese per Molto la bella. maggiorità. So I'm just explaining that, you know, this will be an English, predominantly English speaking podcast, although those listeners that are tuning in might be somewhat confused that there's a bit going on. Qualche cosa capiamo anche noi in inglese, ma parliamo un po' di lingue diverse, tipo spagnolo, italiano, russo, greco, greco francese. So they're just talking about how the Roma speak a variety of languages, from Greek to Spanish to English. Um, and they're incredibly talented as well, because again there are these stereotypes. Ci sono questi stereotipi che esistono della Roma che secondo me non sono giusti. Um, and I explain that they're not, they're not fair, they're not right, are they? So um, can, you, can you explain the things that maybe the Ganges should know about the Roma? Potete spiegare a me le cose che sono una parte della cultura della Roma? Allora, cosa le voleva, cosa interessava, ad esempio, cosa vuole sapere di questa storia, della nostra cultura? Okay, so we, uh, yeah, we could talk about the culture, absolutely. Yes, I think the major thing to, to explain to Gadget, to us, is we have this false conception of them as dirty. Okay. We don't allow them to have access to water. And uh, I've watched um, Roma washing their hands, and they wash their hands like surgeons, the backs of the hands, the wrists, between the fingers, exactly the way we are now being taught with COVID-19 to wash our hands. Sure, I sure. wash my hands that way. <laughs> I've learned with the Roma. Um, Diamanta, for instance, washes all of the clothes that they've worn every day. And my washing machine gets a little bit worn out. Um, they are extremely clean and they've got all kinds of taboos, both spiritual and physical. And this is one of the reasons why we think of them as dirty, because they throw everything out that is polluting spiritually and physically from okay. their living space, which they keep spotlessly clean. Sure. But outside it's a mess. And I used to have to explain the problem to the Muslim Roma in the Yugoslav camp, that this was causing a great deal of animosity uh, from the Florentines to the, the Roma. Okay. The other thing is we have this terrible legend that they steal our babies and this has caused, for instance, a riot in Naples and so on. But the reverse is true. Their babies are stolen by the states, left, right and centre, and the parents being illiterate and poor do not have the recourses to try to save them. We have an underground railroad here in fact, Diamanta just uh, yesterday was able to send a mother and her baby back to Romania two days before that to Borghese on one side and to Borghese on the other. Borghese are police who are dressed like civilians, literally tried to seize the baby from her arms to take it to put it up for adoption into rich families, which is what yeah. has happened to yeah. their four children. And luckily that mother was able to run away and escape from that. But we had to, in this emergency, immediately get her out of the country. And we've done this, this is now our 20th baby. Spiegale, anche se, se sono questi fondi di Armenia Europea, 
invece per i, per i cittadini europei, per i cittadini rom, che ogni tanto all'anno arrivano tanti fondi per i rom. Sì, yes. E invece non li danno loro, uh -huh. stanno per, sì. danno per loro. Sì. E uh -huh. quindi per quella uh -huh. c'è questa uh -huh. poverità fra di rom, che i rom right. sono considerati uh -huh. come uh -huh. delle, degli esseri umani, de, sì. de, delle bestie. Yes. E non sono uh, And uh, although, for instance, the European Union uh, has funds for them, it never reaches down to them. Okay. Uh, it gets pocketed by middle people, middlemen in, on the way. Mm -hmm. And um, would, would you say it's a bit in nero, as they, as they say, kind of like an under the table sort of um, right. um, experience? And also, I've, you know, I've gone to Brussels, I've been asked to speak about the Roma in Brussels and so forth. But I find that the bureaucracy makes it impossible for uh, these systems of funds to actually function. Mm -hmm. And so what I've done is use my oh, pension. Uh, I have received funds from an association mm -hmm. which helps orphans. I went to them and explained that Really, we should be helping families stay together. Invece di dare loro la possibilità, di, mm -hmm. come tu hai fatto no, con noi, invece di mm -hmm. dare loro, loro vanno gli uomini a chiedere lavoro agli italiani per cambiare, sì. mm -hmm. e invece tanti porti chiusi non faccia loro, sì. e per quello what, loro yes, non trovano lavoro, invece is, non lo sanno come mantenere qui. But reciprocal, uh, for instance, work being paid for properly and so on. And what we've done is to see that our families, um, that their housing is improved because there's TB from crowding okay. and lack of windows. And uh, what we've also done is to see that the children have library schools, books in the house for the first time. Okay. Uh, we get many books given to us, so we ship library schools to the families in Romania. And we also receive funding from an association where um, we um, give these mothers, instead of their begging in the streets in Florence, we give them 100 euro a month each okay. to stay with their children. So if you could explain to us just a little bit, because I think this idea of education is so crucial. And I was wondering if you could explain to the listeners what, what value comes from educating a community that society is unwilling to recognize. Right. Well, I think this goes back to the whole problem we've got in America right now. Our slaves were forbidden to know how to read and write and uh, on pain of death. And I felt sometimes that my uh, teaching the Roma has caused a bit of animosity like that. But where countries that have been poor, like Switzerland and like Kerala, have invested in education, especially for women, and that this is what we've been working very strongly with uh, the Roma, is um, that the infant mortality rate drops and the life expectancy rate rises. Okay. Despite poverty, it's not wealth that's needed, it's education. And it's education that where we use the term liberal education to free. 
And I think it's extremely important to have systems of education which are freeing education, like Montessori's concept. She was educating the poor in the slums. Now her system is being used by the rich, and this is absolutely contrary to what she was teaching. Um, And I've been finding that when you teach the Roma, you must be willing to be taught by the Roma equally. Okay. Uh, then it works. Mm. Otherwise, um, there's going to be resistance uh, because there's too many centuries of trauma and uh, injustice. Mm. And you have to create a space in which instead there is justice and love okay. learning to take place. Well, and I think this is really interesting as well because the system that you have created, instead of the traditional Italian setting, or I'd say pretty much any educational system in the West where you have students that are kind of segregated basically based on age yeah. mm-hmm. is that you, you notice something about the importance of everyone learning together. And obviously we, it's important for cultural sake to have the men in one room and the women in another, but that the, and the fam- children and the grown-ups together. <laughs> sure. But the fact that everyone's learning in the same space, how did yes. you come to that conclusion and what benefits have you seen from that? Um, well, I think part of it is my own experience. Uh, I was a child of rather well-educated parents, but it was during the war, so I was sort of abandoned to servants and so forth. At least at one point we had a wonderful foster family, parents who were um, Scottish, and the Scots have a very fine educational system for the poor. You can go to university from the poorest family with bursars, with scholarships. And so I, that quite a bit, of, and that was the mother who taught me phonetics and how to read at eight years old. So I have had my own experience of analphabetismo, of being illiterate. And also from a flying bomb accident, um, explosion, I'm hearing impaired. So most of my schooling was um, in the daydreaming because uh, I couldn't hear the teachers. But I was able to get into university at 16 and then I was able to get my doctorate at Berkeley. But it always sort of been more right brain than left brain as a result of not being, uh, not having that educated out of me. And I've found I've really appreciated that the Roma work so well. They collaborate. They are manually dexterous. Uh, They do beautiful things. For instance, um, this is the Libro del Chiodo, which Daniel has done, the facsimile. And and if I can describe it to the the listeners, it's it's a big sort of leather-bound book. This this is a beautiful vellum-bound book with the nail uh, we've done a facsimile of it from the um, the archive, state archives, and um, Daniel was capable of copying the metalwork from, from the medieval bo- book and so forth. They have this capacity to be manual as well as intellectual equally, which we've lost. Um, they've built the bookshelves here. They built the rocking cradle. Daniel was so excellent. He was um, apprenticed to a top restorer in Florence and then invited 
to help participate in restoring Donatello's pulpit in Prado. Wow. And they are the top level. Wow. And yeah, I know. And this is what I've, I've loved finding out about them that uh, these are not people to be uh, treated like rubbish, like garbage. And so that's been our project is to educate each other and to contribute. We feel it's extremely important to contribute to Florence. Um, this square, Piazza Donatello, when I came, was abandoned. It was, uh, there were syringes, black masses, suicide attempts, oh, vandalism. Geez. And when the Roma came and planted the wild irises, which are Florence's lily, um, it became a paradise. Oh, um, and you can so, see the beautiful pictures that you've taken yes. of the cemetery. It's stunning. And, um, and the, all of these have been ways of undoing racism. Okay. By um, showcasing excellence and with dignity mm. instead of degradation. Mm. And as a result of that, the drug addicts, drug addicts have gone away. The, there aren't any suicide attempts anymore. I was going to ask you... Um, Again, because it's again, we could we could talk about this for hours, but we talked about how you established a school, this alphabet school. Do you um, yes. do you teach beyond the alphabet? Do you teach reading? Do you teach math? Do you teach what? What outcome have you found as a result of that? Well, um, Diamante, for instance, has counted all of the books in the library. Quanti libri ci sono qui? Cinco mila. Ottocento. Uh, 5,800 uh, books. Yeah. Yes. Um, so they're surrounded by books. Um, I'm not looking. I, I feel that for a school, you don't really need uh, the structure. You just need a library. Okay. People. Because, for instance, Christine de Pizan and Elizabeth Barrett Browning got all of their learning because they were allowed into splendid libraries and taught themselves okay okay mm -hmm. so would you say self t um i guess to be self-taught um they're yes. able to do things in their own pace in their own way and that gives them a Absolutely. sense of agency right which is what montessori was teaching as well okay uh yes so another thing i'm i'm really curious about because again i and i say this because you know this is how i was raised i grew up Ganje, as you would say, um, there are these negative stereotypes that I grew up with that I'm very aware of. And I was very aware of when I lived in Florence and when I lived in, in yes. Borsano mm -hmm. as well is, mm -hmm. um, I guess what I'm trying to, trying to make sense of is how do you deconstruct that? Because one of the things I remember you saying in a podcast with mental health news radio is about the importance of what you call changing awareness seeing ourselves in the other and unlearning when it comes to dealing with prejudices. And I was wondering right. if you could explain mm -hmm. how these three concepts, A, can be achieved and how, and B, how they could be useful towards better understanding the Roma community. Uh, that's a bit difficult. I think, well, my entry into this was actually experiencing almost pennilessness uh, when my life became so disastrous that I was sort of seeing my future as a shopping bag lady, you know. Um, and 
that meant that I was identifying with the Roma who were begging in the streets while I was saying I will never beg, you know. Sure. Um, but um, I could, I understood what it was like to be them. And I used to watch the faces of people as they walked past the beggars in the street and see the hatred mm. and worry about what it must be like for that person when she goes home, the elderly lady, etc. And, and the Roma have told me that when they arrive home, they are squirrely. They really are hurt by that constant hatred they meet with all day long. So at first, you know, I was afraid of the Roma. And, but I was giving them alphabet cards and number cards for the, when they were still begging with children. That's not allowed any longer. Now they have to, the parents have to separate themselves from the children to save the children from being taken from them, yes. which is cosmetically better, but it's terrible. For right, right, the of course. And um, I found that if you smile, uh, if, if you recognize this person begging as a fellow human being, you can say, no, no, solely, I don't have money. Um, but giving them a postcard or uh, a sandwich or something, anything. Um, and just being human undoes the, the barrier. And uh, I think I used to find when I, if I gave money, which I didn't like to do, um, it was received with anger. Really? By whom? I'd, by the Roma. And why is that? Is well, it wasn't going to be enough. They would be beaten when they went home because there wasn't enough. Oh, okay. Uh, but okay. if you gave a postcard of the Madonna and Child, there was such a relief because this is something human. Money isn't. Could could you unpack for me uh, why why begging is such um perceived aspect of our understanding, which I don't think is good or, or even adequate of the Roma community. Why is that the automatic go-to perception? Why does that exist? Right. I think it's fear, which I think is the same that, well, I used to say before civil rights that we had about blacks in America. Mm. We had the conception that they were criminal, that they were violent, uh, that they were dangerous, um, and so forth. I think it's the rather human reaction to the other if you hate yourself. Mm. And um, I think it's extremely important with small children to make sure that that discrimination doesn't set in, uh, that fear that each one is, is loved and accepted. Um, but it's a bit, it's, I sort of feel it's a bit in the human nature of Cain and Abel, where Cain is jealous of Abel. And uh, often when we discriminate against the other, it's because we envy them. Uh, we envy what we think of as freedom in the Roma. Actually, their society is very carefully regulated by themselves. And, and regulated it. than us. Yeah, I was going to say, and regulated mm -hmm. in what way? Because, you know, begging is, is an, 
a site that is seen in Florence. And mm-hmm. I do remember you saying on a, on a previous, either through one of your writings or um, a podcast, is that begging is there because they don't have the opportunities to work. Right. <laughs> so I think that's something um, that needs to be addressed first and foremost, wouldn't you say? Yes. And then mm-hmm. from that, w- what sort of strict rigidity is there within the, the culture? Because I think one thing people are curious about is why are they not a part of mainstream society without realizing that they might not be invited to be a part of mainstream society? Right. Um, well, one of the things I think we don't realize is that the women are extremely chaste. Okay. Uh, they won't remarry if they're widowed. Like This is from India. Okay. So there they are having to raise children without their husband. And so that poverty is extreme. And we don't take that into account. I can remember there used to be a young Roma woman who pretended to be a very old woman begging at the Duomo, uh, stooped over with a cane and so forth. And the tourists would laugh because she had young feet. And, and I would say, but she, she's not prostituting herself. Um, to, to be sexually licentious for a woman in Roma culture would be to be cast out of Roma culture. It would not be acceptable at all. They have to marry while they're still virgin. We are hoping to change that because they're marrying far too young. And it's it's so difficult for their bodies bearing babies. Like Diamanta has had four uh, cesareans. She had her first child as a teenager. And... uh, the men now are seeing that this is not correct. Okay. Uh, that it's okay. too hard on them. Interesting. And, and would you say that that's a result of, of education in that sense? Or is it just observation? Um, well, I think it, it, it takes years and patience and love um, and trust. Um, I get very upset when people say, oh, they must obey the, the regulation, they must obey the rules, because the rules are all stacked against them. Uh, to them, the rules don't make sense. You must wear trousers you know, and so forth. Sure, um, sure. And uh, it's, I find it's, it, it, you, you have to create a space where you, you honour the Roma culture within that space, their desire to be clean, their desire to uh, husband. One of the things that social assistance does, it doesn't allow the husband to be with the wife uh, when she's had a baby and so forth. We have found it's absolutely lovely to have the young couple with their baby together here, safe. Mm and uh, with the baby in the cradle, because that's the most important moment in the making of a young family, that the husband is a part of it, not expelled from it and considered, you know, um, somebody unworthy and so on. Okay. well, if I may, because um, mm-hmm. again, I could I could ask you so many questions, and I'm I'm I so apologize that my video is not working because I would love to <laughs> be able for you to see my face. But um, for the purposes of this of this show, 
my final question, I guess, would be, um, what advice would you give to listeners who are thinking of doing similar work to your own? Oh, help a young mother when she has her baby. I built my first cradle for a pregnant Roma mother. And uh, then uh, she wouldn't bring the baby to the cemetery because it wasn't baptized and she was afraid it would be damaged. So I had to offer to baptize the baby. I had to promise the courier never to do this again. Okay. (laughs) But that was the loveliest experience where... uh, the father, the mother, and the newborn in the cradle in my cell, and I went to sleep in the couch in the lion. And um, I think it, it, work on the family level, work on the on the human level, um, where they so much need protection. And uh, we've now done this with quite a few families. And I've not baptized. I've been obedient about that. But um, I've been finding that that has always been why we have got, we have the trust that we have built up. Well, with that, um, I've got to say that's it from us at Coffee and Cocktails with your host, Dr. Ann Wand. I'd like to thank again, Dr. Julia Bolton-Holloway for joining us at the studio this afternoon. Additional information on her work, including her bio and further reading material on the Roma, which I highly recommend, could not recommend enough, will be available in the show notes. I'd also like to thank our special guests who arrived. Um, I wasn't expecting it, and I'm so glad they came. Um, And I'd also like to thank our very much appreciated producer, who's always in the background, uh, my husband, Richard Wand, for working his magic as he does with every episode by turning my teeny tiny little office into a recording place of wonders. For those of you who've enjoyed the show, please feel free to subscribe to our podcast as well as explore our Facebook page and blog. In fact, please tell your friends. Let them know how much you enjoyed the show and feel free to leave a comment. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter where you can learn more about upcoming episodes. Otherwise, that's it for now. Thanks for listening and have a great week.